This week on the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I love all those. I love all those Wookiee characters that aren't Chewy, though. I mean, even a. even lumpy, itchy, and stinky from the holiday special. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a podcast focused on tactics and competitive play for Star Wars Legion. Hosted by Kyle Dornboss, Michael Barry, and David Zelenka, with Jay Shalansky, the man behind the glass. Welcome back to Notorious Scoundrels. I'm Kyle, and I'm joined by Mike and David. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Um, weather's better than last week. Uh, RPQ happened. It was a good time. I uh, finished first, much to my delight. Nice. And uh, I'm going to high command. Yes. Again. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Feels like just yesterday. Two for two. Feels like just yesterday. So it is. Ah, I know. So, so first of all, congrats. Uh, Thank you. Second of all, it. I, I think it's... It says high command on the little card thing, but it is basically worlds now, I think is our understanding. I think, yeah. It's not, it hasn't been like super explicitly clarified, but uh, there is no like eight person worlds next year. Um, I think it's just worlds is at Adepticon and it's going to be a two day tournament with, you know, however many people end up qualifying, like 80, 100, something like that. So is, I mean, worlds is the new high command though, right? Isn't that? Right, right. That's what I mean. Yeah, high high command and worlds are functionally the same thing for 2020, as far as I know. Which is cool. Um, I mean, it is the exclusiveness of the eight-person tournament is like real decent. Um, but I uh, I kind of like the fact that there's like way more people in the field. So this is Jay. I'm just going to butt into the podcast here. Uh, so my understanding is the first day is high command and then the worlds is like when you get whittled down to whatever, I think the second or third day is going to be the top eight still, but it's all on the same week. Where are you getting your info from? Uh, that would be Legion tournament circuit. Oh yeah. Interesting. So, so LJ basically. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess well, he, pro- he probably know. He, well, if anybody knows, it's LJ. If anybody besides but, FG knows, it's LJ. So, and I think that's yeah. still just kind of a assumption. I don't know that that's been officially, you know, uh, signed off on. I, you know, you know. So that's it. Just sweet. Just thanks, in. Jay. Yeah, see appreciate you. the button. No, see you guys later. You. Later, <laughs> dude. Get behind the glass. Yeah. Get back to your get back to your pen. Actually, I'd like to hear right. Jay's thoughts on contrast paints here in a few minutes. Oh yeah, because um, hmm. we are going to talk about some hobby stuff today. As we well. are. So we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Flyboys because that's what David ran um, at his RP. Yay! I know we've talked about them sort of uh, obliquely already, but um, I'd love to talk in more detail about your list because I think there's some fun fun little nuggets in there. Um, we're also going to talk ever so briefly about Invader League because that ended. Um, it's got a new champion too. For yeah, hmm. yeah. We we secured an interview with him. So um, <laughs> stay tuned. You know, stay tuned. <laughs> um, and then we're also going to talk about wikis because uh, actually one of the Discord uh, personalities, Lunta, won a RPQ up in Canada. Um, they do have RPQs up there, uh, in addition to maple syrup and expensive dairy products. Um, so and French people and French people. Yep. Um, 
So uh, we're going to talk about Wookiees too. Um, but yeah, why don't we dive right in? Uh, so let's hit Invader League first. Um, so the Invader League champion is me. Yeah, so I'm here with the Invader League <laughs> champion, Kyle Darmas. Uh, What's yeah. up, man? What did uh, you What did you end up running here at the Invader League? We so, haven't been talking about it for the last two months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't, I've talked briefly about my list before. I can talk about it in more detail, and also just talk ever so briefly about uh, it was the semifinal and the final games actually that were played since our last cast. So, um. It is a Veer's Bosk list uh, with six DLTs and three snipers. <laughs> Soulless but effective. Yeah, it's. Uh, I also sprinkled in there um, an officer upgrade and a medic upgrade, and uh, as well as Bosk has stims and hunter, and then Veer's has improv, and that's it. So, um, when I first started in Veer League, I uh, you know it was a Freaky Friday experiment for me. Um, it was a, uh, you know, I'm a rebel player. Um, and I wanted to see, you know, see what I could learn from playing the other side, which actually Jay wrote an article on. I think everybody in both directions could, um, benefit from that experience. If you can, you know, obviously it's, uh, expensive to actually collect, um, two armies, but like, if you have a, if you have a friend or something that, that plays the other side, maybe do like a freaky Friday game, have a swap, um, you know, spend a day in the other person's shoes, see what it's like. I think it's a valuable experience both for Empire and Rebel players. Not, so. not to mention, um, Tabletop Simulator is great for that. Right, of course. Yeah, you can definitely do that on TTS, um, which we talk about all the time. But um, And that led me to actually buy Empire models. So, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, there's lots of discussion. I don't want to get down the TTS rabbit hole, but the, it essentially, like, allows people to play the game without buying stuff, which is... Sort of literally true, but I think generally speaking, it leads to like I don't know anybody that doesn't love Legion and own all the models and buy more stuff that also plays on TTS. So, and it got me to buy a whole new faction of actual models. So, um, anyway, I won't go down that rabbit hole, but um, yeah, I didn't like expect to do well uh, with Empire. Um, <laughs> Here we are. My yeah, it was my yeah, so and yet yeah, these were my literal like first ten games as Empire. Um, so, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna say uh, anything. You know how that you continue. know that sounds, Please right? I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, you know, I, the the play style fits me. I guess I when I was when I was making this list, I um, and I don't want want that to sound like playing Empire is easy either, because one of the things I learned is that there are several. You know, it's diff- It's definitely different from the, from Rebels, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's easier. Um, but anyway, uh. Uh, with this list, I was just going for like as simple as possible. Um, when Invariably started, the double bounty was all the rage, but um, I just wanted to learn one bounty hunter at a time. So I Good choice, apparently. Um, apparently, yep. Um, so, you know, and I didn't want like too much going on with the rest of my list either because I didn't want to have to think about a bunch of things that I wasn't familiar with. Uh, so that's why I filled it out with DLTs and snipers. Um, it's, it's really, it's incredibly boring. It's probably one of the most boring empire lists you can make. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess it works. It's, um, it's like 30 stormtroopers to actually 32 stormtrooper models to chew through. Plus, uh, you know, the two characters and and three sniper units. So, um, it's a lot. (laughs) It is a lot. And it's a lot of dice. Um, so, you know, we talk, um, uh, 
a lot about like uh, luck and mitigating luck. Um, and one of the best ways to mitigate luck on both sides of the coins is to throw more dice, throw more attack dice, and make your opponent throw more defense dice. So um, I know that's like super hard hitting analysis there, but no. Um, anyway, I mean, uh, I'll I'll just I'll say it's easy when you have a card that gives you ten aim tokens. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, stop! You you actually, have, you're, actually, you're acting like we haven't had cards that give us ten. You aim actually, tokens I know before. you actually have two of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so actually i i did run coordinated fire on my elims list but i didn't i didn't run uh like a comms relay or anything it was okay i probably would have rather had imperial discipline in several yeah occasions. yeah um, i mean yeah. my my specific problem is lying in wait, oh, lying but, in wait. Yeah. the funny the funny part though is that i've seen some really bad ones too yeah I well, know. the thing about it is coordinated fire can if you like have the combo set up really double as a second line and wait if you really want it to be well oh, yeah anymore. <laughs> oh well that's true okay. yeah not with yes. the I, I did have not i did have change. one game which i think i alluded to already it was in my round robin where i dumped like seven aim tokens on uh on bosk with coordinated fire but yeah you can't do that anymore anyway so well i mean um, you can get six on them uh yeah if all of your storms get um get to take an aim action or get aims from somewhere else and they're close enough to bosk yeah, I don't know. If that's like an optimal but, use of it, but um, anyway, and weight is pretty good. It is, yeah. Not gonna lie. Um, did you run Veers uh, with Strict? I don't remember. No, I did not. Uh, okay, I ran yeah. it with Improv. It was in hindsight. Yeah, so uh, I, it, I think it is. Um, it was pretty clutch uh, in several moments in several games. Um, I don't think it's like critical in this list. Not not as much as Wonder Twins because Bosk is a little bit more. Well, actually, I shouldn't say he's more flexible than Luke in terms of activation timing. He's more flexible in terms of positioning. But um, uh, so basically, how this list works and why I only took one bounty hunter in in Bosk. Um, you know, we've talked about double bounty and we've talked about both bounty hunters on previous episodes. But just briefly, like you want to be able to last first with Bosk all game. Um, and each command card in my hand is designed to to be either a first boss card or a last boss card, right? Um, so like lying in wait, uh, maximum firepower and then coordinated fire. Those are all last Bosk cards, right? Those are cards that you play when Bosk starts the turn in a safe position. Um, and you want to pop out with him, uh, near the end of the turn and shoot something. Um, and then he's got uh, push reckless or, uh, uh, reptilian rampage and merciless munitions, all of which I consider to be quote unquote first boss cards, cards that you want to use when Bosk is going, you know, in the first or second activation. Um, so you basically just alternate those all game. And, uh, you know, if you do it right, your opponent never gets to shoot Bosk twice in a row, um, which is a problem <laughs> for them. Um, and in fact, um, you know, so I played, uh, a, the Luke Cook game was, um, last week on Wednesday, I think. So that's ancient history at this point. Um, <laughs> but it was a pretty, it was a pretty tight game. We played breakthrough, which, um, it's probably the worst objective for this particular list. Um, but he was never really able to. I put some. Uh, he had some. He had some early fails on on Boba Fett on a save, so he was like heavily wounded going into turn five. Um, so he was never able to kind of do like the last minute jump into the end zone with Boba Fett, which is kind of how you win breakthrough with Beers Boba. So um, I was able to pull that one out. Uh, I made a a gross error um, late in that game that made it probably closer on turn six. Uh, you cast this one, David. Um, but basically, there was a situation. Um, 
uh, I think I was uh, up on nutrition basically going into the end of five. Bubba was dead at this point. Um, there was like a, he had like a three man stormtrooper unit that could actually make it to my end zone. Um, and I still had a reptilian rampage and I could have just double tapped them. Um, and instead there were like three other single unit leaders in that area. I did like the reptilian rampage triple move, which seemed fancy <laughs> to me at the time, but was uh, grossly unnecessary um, to do merciless munitions in the next turn. And then of course he just moved his, uh, his three dudes passed Bosk into my into my breakthrough deployments. <laughs> well, let me let me contextualize this a little further for our listeners and say, um, let me tell you, there was some great bait because there were, I think, like three single single trooper unit leaders. Oh like, yeah, these guys that had their squads eliminated, and so it was like a points Sounds bonanza like if the Axis went off. Oh yeah, it was it um, was a super juicy target. Yeah, yeah, it would have been like. <laughs> you would have scored like 190 something points with a successful dioxys there. So yeah, uh, that's absolutely what it was. Yeah. Massively greedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 100%. 100% that's what it was. So it was one of those like, like turn sixes where I had multiple ways to kill this one unit. Um, and it was like, well, if I fail this way, I still got this thing. And then if I fail this thing, I still got this thing. And as long as I don't pull this token and then improv into this other token, then I'm okay. And like all of those things were happening in the wrong direction. <laughs> oh, it's funny if you listen to the cast because R1 and David are like going through. They're like, well, as long as this doesn't happen, he's okay. And then that thing happens. And then they're like, well, as long as this doesn't happen, he's okay. And then that thing happened. It was like, anyway. Yeah, um, we, we were narrating a series of events. That yeah. were like, this is, this is, we think this is the calculation for Luke to get out of this game. And they were like starting to, the chips are starting to fall. And we're just like, uh are we well, watching I mean, this unravel before our eyes <laughs> to to luke's credit good on him for playing to his outs at that point. oh yeah, yeah yeah i mean he he knew what he had to do to win and he and he almost did it um so he was he was focusing he was focusing on uh on victory points on getting a unit into the zone um and he did it in a way that made it more surprisingly dif- more difficult than i thought it would be to kill him um you know, he did the old melee uh, core unit and get them engaged and, you know, if uh, and suppress everything else so they can't move to deal with it. So, um, yeah, he did, he did a good job of, um, you know, making that a very close game. So, looks a great player. I'm, uh, you know, the one that matters is this weekend. So, um, we'll see. Um, and then my, my finals game was against Beefcake. Um, you can catch that also uh, if you want on the replay. Um we played, uh, it was not Breakthrough, it was uh, Intercepts, uh, Long March. So the first couple turns are a little boring because it's all positioning. Um, but actually the the VOD got split in two, I think. So if you just like pick up the second part, you pretty much miss all the boring stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was actually up on attrition uh, going into like turn three. Um, and then he moved his Bosk uh, into a spot to take a shot at some of my DLT Storms. Um, and that turned out to be a vulnerable spot for Bosk. Um, basically I, I managed to get some out of cover shots on him with, uh, some storms, a sniper, and then my own boss, um, and took his boss down beginning of turn four and it, that pretty much swung it back. So, um, yeah, that's, there's not much to say about that game except that I think, but yeah. So invaders over, um, my little experiment is over, um, at least maybe successful next one, time. I would yeah. say. <laughs> so, um, Yeah. It was it was fun. I'm uh, very grateful for you know it was, it was a fun and very league. All my opponents were super classy. So 
Um, yeah, I don't know how much more I have to say about it besides that. And sorry for making such a boring list, everybody. Bore, boring lists <laughs> are efficient and good. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, can, can I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna insert this anecdote here because this is this is one of the this is one of those things about competitive gaming. I realized that StarCraft was not my game because I wanted to look at the graphics while playing. <laughs> and that was actually slowing me down. Like I wasn't able to get to the next level because I was letting like my enjoyment of the game take priority over playing faster. And that was the moment where I realized this is not going to work for me because, you know, if I, if I can't, if I'm literally just making the machine run as fast as possible and not enjoying the action of the game itself, then I'm not, I'm not, I should not be playing because I'm not having fun. Yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, to encourage this metaphor, um, if you go back and you like, you watch like the twitches of like professional StarCraft players, it looks like shit. The game looks like it's from 2002 because all of their graphics are like turned down to like yeah. bare minimum settings. So how does this translate to Legion? Well, Legion is sort of like you're playing the game, quote unquote, on minimum settings in the sense that you are building these lists that are hyper efficient, but are incredibly boring because they're spamming one unit or are, you know, come on, come on two two units. Come on. Okay. Two, Give me some credit. Two, units. Come on. <laughs> two, two units. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's not like you've got a land speeder and Luke and Sabine and yeah, right. I don't have that, but come on. Two sets I got more than one. And, it's two. You know, I don't know. It's two. I can't <laughs> really do that. You know? That's fair okay fair uh, enough that's fair i, I guess mean, it's like it was, yeah. which which unit am i more uh, angry about the dlt or the sniper <laughs> i'm like the dlt probably yeah i mean i guess i guess it's technically four right because you have boss yeah. years. <laughs> this is a great great metaphor uh, uh, hey man i'm guilty too because the rpq list i ran has the exact same format right and and so does wonder twins yeah. Right. I mean, at least at least the least spicy versions of those lists, I should say. I think your list is really spicy, though. Which. Um, yeah. Actually, what? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk yeah. about that. All right. I yeah. did play Flyboys. Tell I us played, about your. You, RPQ. you played Flyboys. So, uh, so we had the RPQ at Fairfield. We had a bunch of the folks from KubelCon who were local also come to this. Um, our attendance was a little bit. Reduced because this is Father's Day weekend, so we had several people who, you know, I'm out of town or can't, can't make it or I'm, you know, doing stuff with fam. But we had 10 people, and the train was quality because we had the same uh, KubelCon folks with their terrain bringing their stuff. Um, overall, it was a fun day. I fought two Vaders, which was really fun. And then uh, I fought my first opponent, I believe, was Vader Krennic with Snows, and he had limited Viz, so I was saved by Long March. <laughs> Because he couldn't, he couldn't get it all. He couldn't get battle lines to complete the trifecta of Vader snow spam. Uh, so that was fun. And then the I had to play Nima, who I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with. Uh, he's on the Discord, and he's just a really, really good player. He was at LVO, and um, I play with him a lot. And so it, it kind of sucked having to, you know, meet him again in battle. But uh, that was still a really fun game. Um, well, we played, we played Flyboy's Mirrors, 
which was uh we, we basically like which which is the more um which was the quote-unquote better list but i don't think the, the list really mattered so much as the bid mattered more because that was a game that was heavily lopsided by uh deployment um i really handily won the attrition war and i had to make several crucial crucial rallies at the end because luke was mind tricking me and i couldn't pick up my third box it was recover so uh nima you know does what he does best which is like forcing you to make hard choices and you know putting you at serious jeopardy of losing if you make the wrong choice that's something he's really good at doing and uh luckily i was bailed out a little bit by rally rolls um in the third list i had uh i guess wonder twins wookies um i managed to get disarray which was extremely favorable um and again uh not how i didn't have the bid that game but i managed to make the turn zero battle card selection game work because i forced my opponent to make a difficult choice which is something that my opponent um in my last game also mentioned to me like he, we said we both said to each other you know we're not really that great at the turn zero game but if we can force our opponent to make a mistake we're that that's just how we win like we're not really good at, at picking things <laughs> we're just good at waiting for the other player to screw up um but a lot of times uh you know these at a competitive level right if the skills are both there like you're basically waiting for your opponent to make more mistakes than you um as far as the list itself it's uh Luke and Han, uh, Luke with push stems and Jedi mind trick, Han with improvised orders and gear. Um, and I will say environmental gear actually enabled me to win my game against Nima because Han was able to flee over a barricade with a box into heavy cover and then beyond line of sight blocking terrain <laughs> because he was unhindered. And so that was definitely a massive help. Um, I did miss having stems on him, but I think gear is still kind of where it's at with him. Um, if you have to make difficult choices, I think cutting stems on Han is not a, a bad choice to make. Um, in this case, I really wanted improvised because there's a lot of turns where I don't have order tokens on Luke. For example, standing orders turn one, reckless diversion when I don't want them to shoot Luke, but I still want Luke to go last. Uh, improv is super useful there. Sorry about the mess where I only have an order token on Han and I still want Luke to go last. Um, so there's improv has a ton of use there. And I took it over the the other kind of popular variants of flyboys that are running around. There's like three of them now. Uh, one is like single officer, single medic, and stems on Han. One of them is uh, two officers and a medic and nothing on Han. And then one of them is my variant, which is improvised on Han and two officers with no medic. Um, and that was actually, I think, very spicy. Uh, mainly because the two courage Z sixes are crazy. They are super money. Um, uh, you know, they shoot you and they think, Oh, I'm going to make this rebel lose an action. And it's sort of like, no, you're not. And then I get to do my move and, and shoot thing. And then my friend who he also shot, who he thought he was going to suppress doesn't have suppression anymore. And you've got two of those. And so you're, your core units are very well covered. You you hardly ever, between the two officers and their two courage plus the inspire, you hardly ever lose actions on your core units. And I think that's one of the one of the biggest strengths. Plus the officers themselves are shooting. So they, they up the average of your core units damage to four. And that's very good. Like because if you roll completely average, you're getting two hits through cover. And then the Z6 on top of it, if it if the Z6 rolls high. So they are just they just shred. It's so good to have the officers. Essentially, yes, it's uh, it's almost equivalent, right? Like it's 
pretty darn close with the suppression release and the two courage there. Yeah, and actually, if you think about just Inspire generally, you know, like on someone like Leia, the timing of uh, Inspire on Leia is a little awkward in that you want her to go generally like early in the turn so she can hand out dodges, right? But early in the turn, your units aren't necessarily going to be suppressed. Um, whereas, you know, you've got five core tokens in your bag. Two of those core tokens are attached to units that have Inspire. Um, so you have a lot more flexibility like over when you're actually using that Inspire ability over the course of your turn. It's the Rebel Compel. Definitely. And I mean, the opportunities come up like, I mean, I guess the the fundamental conceit here is that we're attempting to use suppression to trim our opponent's actions and officers negate that strategy pretty handily. And I mean, Compel obviously does too, but Compel has a cost, which is maybe maybe it'll be easier to panic you later, especially if they're running with middle management, which has no Courage 3. Um, middle management in this case being Veer's Krennic. Um, yeah, so you're basically like, not only are you taking the strength of these officers and their ability to pr- preserve your action economy, you're also taking snipers, which are degrading your opponent's action economy from infinite range and are able to backload your core activations so they go later in the turn. So you're essentially performing like a giant last first move on like a macro level because you're shooting with your long range units first. And then as their shots come in, your officers then turn on and get rid of their suppressions. And so you preserve your action economy that way. So, I mean, that's, again, that's another like, another good use for snipers rather than shooting your opponent's snipers. You should, you should play to your strengths instead and degrade your opponent's action economy. Yeah. It's possible. Do you want to talk about that a little more? Because one of the things I think you said about this list is that you basically just like declined to engage in the sniper war um, and instead tried to just focus on, you know, your snipers obviously hopefully not dying to enemy snipers, but also just taking out core units instead of focusing on your opponent's snipers. Yeah, so when you run two officers, your core units are really good suddenly because you have all these actions and you're they're just flat better than your opponent. Um, because they have less ability to uh, relieve suppression. They have less ability to economize. A lot of the time, uh, you know, Veers would hand out an aim because he'd go first in the turn, but of course then his Inspire would be wasted, essentially. So against Veers, say, you know, Veers wants to hand an aim to a Stormtrooper, the Stormtrooper wants to move and then shoot range through with an aim at your units. And if they can do that, you stand a pretty good chance of losing a bunch of guys if they roll hot. But what the instead of you know wasting your time shooting courage two units in heavy cover, even if you you know even if you have a chance of killing them or or killing you know an activation quickly, wouldn't it be better in the long run to force your opponent to only shoot their DLT that turn and not shoot their wide dice that turn because you're holding them out at range. They have to make the choice. Do I move up for a shot next turn or do I shoot my two dice into your heavy cover with an aim token fishing for crits? So you're forcing your opponent to make those tough decisions when they don't have an ability to get around your ability to deal suppression at infinite range. Um, And that's, I think, a lot more efficient, uh, especially if you have more core units to start out with, like like in my last game. And especially if you have much more action preservation and you're essentially not taking suppression and they're taking suppression, 
um, you know, your, your time is much better spent trimming their ability to do damage to your core units. Because as you know, sniper dice pools, despite their, you know, relative strength that they do roll two hits are very binary. Either they get damage through or they don't. And one trooper model is losing one trooper model to a sniper is a lot better than losing three trooper models to an aimed shot from a unit of stormtroopers that got their aim, got an aim from Veers and move shot up, move shot before you could activate. And losing that single model also is a lot more palatable if you're not also losing an action in the process via the suppression. Right, exactly. Exactly. And it gets even better because Han has reckless diversion. So if you hide Han and reckless divert onto a core unit that is, you know, undamaged essentially and force their snipers to shoot your core unit that's undamaged, like that's marvelous for you. Because now you, you're basically like under, under this umbrella of reckless diversion. So you have to like find a place where, you know, you're, you're in heavy cover and you're in, in the lane. And so the snipers could not go anywhere that they couldn't see the core unit that's being, that's diverting. Meanwhile, your snipers are free to just shoot, shoot their core and pierce them to death. And if you can find good angles, you know, maybe get shots out of cover even. Um, it's very, very good. And it puts a ton of pressure on your opponent to play around it. And uh, eventually, you know, eventually your opponent can sometimes just cracks. You know, sometimes they're like, man, I'm, I'm tired of sitting on my hands. I'm getting my ass beat. I'm, I'm going to, you know, roll up on you now with my stuff. And you're like, well, I got Luke waiting for you. You accidentally moved into range two of me. Here I go. And Luke just gets in there and cuts them apart. I think in my last game, that essentially happened. And Luke killed three guards, a unit of snowtroopers, and Veers before dying to Vader. <laughs> So I think that's definitely like value for points right there. So how do you um, like how do you use Luke and Han in this list as far as command card timing and stuff like that? Uh, so turn one is usually standing orders. I feel uh, turn one could also be against Veers if you didn't have very many good deployment options. You can play my ally, but that kind of stinks. Um, that's only good if you have an obvious target because, you know, you're, you're basically hunting for free dodges on Luke and my ally is definitely one of those cards where you are, you know, looking to get that free dodge on Luke so Luke can do something, something aggressive. Um, in terms of timing, uh, so there'll be a, there will definitely be a moment where, where the change of plans becomes obvious to you because you, you'll, you'll find yourself confronted with the critical turn. And you'll you'll see it coming, you know. Um, you know his Luke is in is in jumping range, or his Vader could implacable for a heck of a lot of damage on me. And you'll know when to play COP because you'll see it coming. You'll just you'll just either see your opponent measuring and they'll tip you off, or you'll do your own measuring and maybe you'll notice where they are. Um, I had a couple of moments where uh, I failed to do so, but my opponent didn't punish me for it. So I was grateful for them for not noticing what I noticed. Like, uh, for example, um, I had a moment where uh, Son of Skywalker would have just cut my Han in half, and I got lucky <laughs> that my opponent didn't see it. Then there was another game where he did notice, but his um, Son of Skywalker basically whiffed. Um, I had a game where his son... You know, Luke makes contact after double moving, rolls three hits on the first swing. Han uncannies his way into three blocks and takes two damage. Then the second swing, 
um, Han roll, you know, Luke rolls two, and then Han takes like two damage. <laughs> so Han was just like chilling there, and it was like it was four wounds, but Han wasn't dead, and that was the crucial thing: is that Han wasn't dead. And then my Luke had had yet to activate, so my Luke just like walked in there, pushed him out of melee with Han, and then engaged, and just uh, you know, murdered him, murdered him right back. But to answer your question about command card timing more specifically, uh, your slow cards are important. Like your three pip, your return of the Jedi is very important because that's your only three pip, and that's another reason why improv is so good in this list. Um, you don't want to end up in a situation where you want to go first with both characters. That's definitely very important because uh, Han in particular is vulnerable. Um, you want to try to get into a situation where either one wants to be first or um, you know, one of them can afford to wait for a while before they jump in and then you just improv your way past them if they come up too early. But uh, try not to try not to make too many, uh, how do you say it? Try not to have too many fires burning at the same time. Does that make sense? Like you'll, you'll have many situations where if a unit doesn't go first, it's going to take a lot of damage. And if you have multiple of those situations and not enough control, you're going to be punished by your opponent who will, who will see that and realize, you know, you don't have enough bandwidth to deal with the situation on the table because the game is not, you take your turn all at once. It's an, I go, you go kind of, kind of game. Yeah. So you can only was... activate one unit at a time, you know? Right. And that was always my struggle. Um, you know, when I tried Flyboys, was getting it down such that like only one of them, you know, because you basically have to alternate, right? Because at some point you want to use some Son of Skywalker, and at some point you want to use Sorry About the Mess. Um, and obviously you don't want those to be at the same time, so because they can't be. Um, so that was always my struggle, is like timing my positioning such that I didn't need that to happen. A lot of the way that I solved it was hiding Han until late in the game and not like engaging too quickly with him, because that had definitely punished me in the past. Um, my first few games where I played Flyboys, uh, I tried to be aggressive with Han and defensive with Luke, and that was definitely the wrong play. Um, it's much easier, I think, to threaten with Luke and then bring Han behind him, sort of in Luke's shadow, to then go last and just blow things up. And hopefully, maybe your Luke will be safe in an engagement, or you know, Luke will be somewhere where he won't get shot immediately, and therefore Han can just mess, and then Luke's timing is not quite so sensitive. And when I say safe melee, I mean, it's like, well, Luke is engaged by like the tattered remnants of a snowtrooper unit he destroyed, essentially. Right. You know, that's that's relatively safe for him. He could probably dodge and block his way out of damage. It's never guaranteed. But, you know, again, I actually did have a snowtrooper punch my Luke in the face. That wasn't fun. <laughs> he, crit me with, he crit me and I spent the dodge and I rolled the blank. So, you know get wrecked <laughs> uh, so yeah so i mean it was that, that was essentially the essentially the summary of, of command cards i think you just um it's really just being sensitive to the effects and that's that's the that's the list's biggest struggle is that all of the cards that it brings have incredibly powerful effects with very specific timings and and managing those timings is super crucial like knowing when to reckless you know for example when there's a term where the gun lines are finally meeting each other 
you know, that's a good time to reckless with Han out of sight because then you deflect all the fire onto your most defended unit and then your gun lines are free to aim, shoot, or do whatever. Because your opponent has no choice but to shoot the diverting unit if you have your diverting unit in a very public place with heavy cover. <laughs> yeah. So generally you use it, obviously you have to put one on Han and then you use the other one on like a rebel trooper unit that's in cover. Yeah. Yeah, one that's like, sometimes I even use it on an officer because the officer's not going to suffer too badly from taking a couple suppression and and his buddy uh, his buddy officer can then inspire him and then he can inspire someone else down the chain. So they like, they inspire off each other during the diversion turn to make the suppression punishment much more manageable that you, you know, that you receive from being shot by a bunch of things all at once. But really, like, I think diversion is best used. And, and I saw this in your game against Arceo in Invader League, and I, and I got inspired by it. Arceo used his diversion to force your DLTs to shoot something that wasn't his front line. And I think that's brilliant. Like, forcing long-range weapons to split off from the from the main gun line battle, super brilliant. Yeah. And especially snipers. Snipers yeah. are so badly affected by diversion because they're infinite range. Yeah, so essentially... Uh... The moment you're referencing, I had like several stormtrooper units, you know, at between range three and four of his dudes, and he basically put the diversion at the limit of range four um, of my DLTs, so I could either, you know, move up into the teeth of his units out of cover to take that range three shot at his diversion unit, or you know, be forced to pull the DLT out of the out of the attack pool. You know, and just throw the E11s at one unit and the DLTs at the other, and it's like a perfect setup for reckless diversion against them. You know, against DLTs specifically because obviously they have a different range band than than the rest of the unit. Yep, and that's definitely a mitigating factor and way that you can use that version to punish your opponent for trying to max range you <laughs> with mm -hmm. their gun line. Yep, and uh, it really nerfs their damage. You know, having to only shoot whites, and I, I've always thought of the DLT. The DLT's dice are so consistent, I've always felt that it's basically giving your Stormtrooper unit blast at range at range 3, because its dice are so consistent. Um, and if you can take that away from Stormtroopers to force this two-dice gun to shoot heavy cover in one portion and then force them to try to hack through another unit that they want to shoot in heavy cover with three dice uh, that are white, like I think that's a huge win for you. Yep. You've basically well, taken away well, their major strength. Let's back up here. Sure, sure. The, the DLT gives them blast. They don't do any well, damage without the DLT. Well, that's my point. That's my point. You you basically the two hits are the two hits cancel cover. It's essentially the same effect as if you had a blast keyword on a three white dice pool. Essentially, which, would, which is horrible. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, like with the DLT, like it's still not good. That's only like one point. I don't know. Like one in a yeah, but with an aim token, forever. it's substantial. I mean, ultimately, ultimately, the point is to get them to breach cover or to get them to to not breach the cover anymore with the DLT. Yeah, I mean, I get yeah. what you're trying to do. I just yeah, DLTs do not grant sharpshooter two. That would be great. Well, I just yeah, I, <laughs> I just think I think of it that way. It's it's if it's essentially the same thing, as long as you get two hits. Yeah, they're 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 pulling two hits. They're pulling two hits off, basically that way. Yeah, precisely. Any more questions about flyboys that I can answer? I'm trying to think of things that. Oh, oh, okay. One more thing. So that I just saw this on the on the list here. Um, 
something that is really good that Flyboys does is that it has incredibly consistent damage between the heroes and the officer Z's. Um, the officer Z's averages are like four hits essentially. So even if you rolled like, you know, slightly cold, you still have a chance to do damage against heavy cover. Um, you know, Han has red dice with surge and pierce two and Luke has, you know, his beat stick and like an aimed Luke shot is, you know, probably going to net you five or six hits. And so you have very consistent damage across multiple sources and significant access to pierce. And you have, uh, units that don't uh, lose actions through suppression. And that's like, those are like the two big things about Flyboys that I think are most highly recommended on top of all the great stuff you get with like COP and diversion and all the other, all the other stuff with Luke. So, yeah. Cool. <laughs> you want to talk about, uh, you want to talk about Wookiees now? Uh, yeah. So I love me some Wookiees. Um, one of the uh, Lunta from the Discord, I guess, won an RPQ up in Canada with Wookiees. Uh, so I figured this was a good time to talk about them. Because I don't think we've actually done a Wookiees episode as far as, like, how to Wookiee yet, right? Yeah. I think we had, like, a... They were released, and I don't know if we did, like, a a long-form episode on them. I think we had a hot take Wookiee episode, but I don't think we had, like, a proper Wookiee episode. And if we did, it's been a while. So, um, yeah, let's talk about them. Um, so let's talk briefly about the strengths and weaknesses of Wookiees versus other, uh, rebel special forces options. Um, so they are a lot of hit points, you know, each model has three. So if you take the bowcaster, it's, uh, 12, 12 wounds, which is a lot, obviously. Um, and then each of, each of those models has three. So, you know, taking individual wounds, you're not shedding dice like you are with, uh, with the Z6 squad, right? Um, they are uh, also very good both in melee and at range. They're kind of like a, um, you know, like an all-purpose unit, right? They have indomitable, um, so they don't really care much about suppression. Uh, they have unhindered and expert climber, so they can get around really easily. Um, you know, and then they have both a strong attack pool in melee and uh, at range when when you give them the bowcaster with with good dice and pierce. Um, so they're a very strong, uh, I like to call them a linebacker unit, kind of like fleets. Um, a lot of people sort of just reference them as like super fleets, which I think is a good way to think of them. Um, you know, they're almost twice as expensive, but they're also considerably more durable, um, and good in melee unlike fleets. So, um, that's one of their drawbacks. Obviously they are expensive. Um, they're also short ranged, you know, uh, their effective attack range is range two. Technically the bowcaster can shoot at three, but you're just throwing two dice at range three. Um, so unless you're shooting something in the open, you're probably not going to get any hits through. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, you know, the other downside to them, uh, and this is an unfortunate downside with all non-entourage special forces units is that they are not a sniper, right? Yeah. Or a strike team. Yeah, they're also worth three of them, essentially. Right. You know, if if you're taking the bowcaster and, you know, we're going to talk about loadout here in a minute, but suppose you're taking, like, the bowcaster, tenacity, and recon intel, that's 116 points. Um, three sniper strike teams is 132. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, they're almost the same cost as the three sniper strike teams, which is obviously um, a lot. That said, I think like structurally speaking, for the most part, these guys are replacing like one sniper strike team and then a Z6. Um, most lists that I've seen Wookiees run in that are effective are, you know, uh, either Luke Han or Luke Leia, um, some number of Z6s, uh, and then two snipers in the one Wookiee unit. Um, you do see Wookiee skews occasionally, uh, you know, with like two or three Wookiees. Um, but usually that means you have to go down to like eight or nine activations, uh, which can be a problem. So, um, not that those can't work. I've definitely seen some scary lists like that. Once the Wookiees get in there, um, you know, they can be really difficult to deal with. So, um, that can work, but my personal, my personal Wookiee quantity, uh, favorite, if you will, is, is one, one unit. So just enough to tear your arms off. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah, just enough to tear your arms off. Um, you guys want to talk about loadout? Uh, I mean, I think tenacity is staple to these guys. Um, I agree. I, I think that's probably the most obvious one. Like, they're almost always going to be wounded. Um, and there's nothing you can really do about that. <laughs> so, getting a free die in melee. It also... Right. Um, really helps preserve their melee efficiency as they get ground down. Um, it you yep. know, brings the floor up pretty significantly. Uh, yeah, even if you've just downed the unit leader, you're throwing two blacks and a red in melee, um, which is nothing to shake a stick yeah. at. And so. they surge? I don't play them enough. Yeah, so. They do, yep. Yeah, so they you're looking at like, yeah. 17 out of 8, so it's like 2 point. I don't know, one five hits or one three three or whatever it is. Yeah, it's a little it's a little over it's ever yeah. so slightly over two hits. Um you know, yeah, one that's model. without a name so. token and stuff. So you, you can like I don't know in melee if you've just got one guy left, like dodge attack is like not bad. Yeah. Um but yeah, it, it helps bring their their damage floor up quite a bit. Um you know, and even obviously since they got three wounds per unit. Um, you can you know be down one or two wounds on that first Wookie and still be having uh, tenacity active, you know, for eight blacks and a red, which is a. Uh... Sorry, my cat is trying to open a box behind me. If you're hearing what that, it's, it's, it's actually kind of funny to watch on your webcam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can you can Our actually listeners. see her, can't you? Um, yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> she loves she loves boxes. She will in fact try to open them when they are taped. She kind of uh, looks like a Wookiee, actually. She does, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and she has actually ripped taped uh, Amazon boxes open. So um, I don't know how she does that. But, it's her Wookiee lineage. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Not, not ripping arms off, but Amazon Prime boxes. Uh, those are those are in her wheelhouse. Um, you know, fun, funnily enough, I'm gonna you know point of lore here. If you uh, if you're a Wookiee and you fight barehanded, apparently that's like that means you're like a savage, uncivilized barbarian. Makes you a mad claw. You're like you're not supposed to fight with claws. Yeah, that's why they use it, those. Um, what are they called? The, Rick, the, Rick, the Rick, Rick blades. The Rick blade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's like a whole comic about this uh, white Wookiee who's like a mad claw. I forget the name. I love all those. I love all those Wookiee characters that aren't chewy, though. Yeah. I mean, even a. Even lumpy, itchy, and stinky from the holiday special. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> so, so does, does that mean that Chewie is an uncivilized Wookiee since he doesn't fight with a Rick blade? No, he fights with a bowcaster. 
Well, maybe I don't know. No, he he overpowers it like he beats people up with his fists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uses his fists. He doesn't like rip with his claws. You know, the claws are the thing. I think. The real question is: Does that rule still apply if you're an indentured life, whatever it is? Whatever, whatever Chewie was before Han found him. A a life debtor, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, he's a he's a life debtor. So, which is like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But yeah, you're right. I guess you never really see him use his claws. He's ripping arms off and body slamming people. So I guess maybe that's okay by Wookiee standards. Yeah. Or strangling people. It's okay if it's like not an open palm. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's a blunt weapon. Yeah. Sumo sumo plexes and uh, and fists are okay. Um, yeah. Claws, claws not okay. So he's actually like some sort of paladin because he's he's he himself is not using edged weapons. He's <laughs> there you go. Doing something different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oblique D and D reference there. Yeah, he um, refuses to use edged weapons. <laughs> uh all right. So uh where were we? We were talking about tenacity and other upgrades. Um Yeah, um don't put grenades. I see people putting concussion grenades on these guys, and I'm like, just just why? Just charge. I mean <laughs> just, it does the same thing. <laughs> minor tangent. People yeah. put grenades on way too many things. Kind of agree. Um Yeah. Okay, so here's the question. Since we're having a grenade tangent, um, before we get back sure. to rookies, is there any unit that you should be taking grenades on besides snowtroopers? Uh, I mean, I think the most reasonable one to put them on is the Z6 unit with fragmentation grenades. I don't okay. think it's very good, but I think of the units that aren't snowtroopers to put grenades on, that's probably the best. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that that can potentially be a very scary dipole, right? Yeah. You've got you know, four, four reds or five, if you take the extra dude and then six whites, all with search crit. So, yeah, I mean, um, impacts on fleets as a last resort is also decent. Yeah. I can yeah. see that. Um, as a last resort. Yeah. I think the fragmentation grenades bringing the, um, the, the Z sixes effectiveness up by 50% is a pretty big deal. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And you're going from black to red with the rest of your squad too. So, yeah. Yeah. But you know, when our, when are uh, rebel troopers ever at range one and you actually want them to be there? Well, that's, that's the thing, yeah. right? If you're at range yeah. one with a Z six unit and they're still live, they probably won't be for very much longer. Um, right. One of you messed up if a Z six unit is at range one of something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I can see it in like rebel mirrors a little bit more than empire mirrors. Um, if you're at range one and an empire mirror, you're probably about to take flamethrower to the face. Uh, yeah. Or a lightsaber or something. Yeah, or a lightsaber or a royal guard attack or Bosk melee new or, you know, Boba flamethrowing you. There's a lot of things that can go on there. You know what's funny is that I feel like they're specifically good against Vader somehow. Because Vader's like slow enough that he might not quite catch them. And then they're going to just toss and run away. And just you play you play kite, kite the Vader Look, man, all day. If, if you want to put your roll troopers and range one of my Darth Vader, please go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well i playing intercept so i have to <laughs> you know in order to score i have to oh. <laughs> all right so so grenade after back from the grenade tangent um yeah hard no so yeah don't take them on wookies um their, yeah, stop <laughs> their basic attack is you know black white uh range anyway and their melee is obviously black black so um it's totally unnecessary um if you're close enough to grenade something and you want to be there, just yeah. melee them. They have charge it's for free. Charged. And frankly, it's yep. um, uh, use the charge keyword. You know, I mean, if it's early on in the turn and 
and you guys play Rebels more than I do, so like, correct me on this if this thought process is wrong. But my inkling is that if it's early on in the turn and your Wookiees have a choice between shooting a unit and getting into melee with a unit, getting into a melee with a unit is a much better option just because they're not going to get shot to pieces. Yeah, it depends on where your position is afterwards, right? So, like, if especially if you have a chance to wipe sure. them. Sure, yeah, yeah. If you think you're going to um, kill them. Because they do throw... Yeah, because so we talk about we've talked about doing this with Luke, right? Um, where you know when you engage, you want to make sure that you don't wipe your unit if it's early in the turn, or that you can't be yeah. withdrawn from. Um, Luke only throws six dice, six black dice, and he does have Pierce, which is great, but Pierce is optional, so you have some control over how many units you actually kill. Um, with Wookies, you've got potentially eight black dice and maybe a red dice, um, and that's a lot of dice. You can't choose to like roll less dice, uh, so you know you have less control over if they're going to wipe their target. So you just, you, you got to think about like, if you can shoot and then still be in heavy cover afterwards versus charging a unit, wiping them and being in the open uh, versus your opponent's entire army. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you got to think about that. Um, personally, I like to, you know, I, I, uh, well, so let's finish talking about loadout here real quick. Um, so I think retail recon Intel is also, you know, if you've got two extra points anywhere in your list, it should go there. Yeah. It's cheap. Um, first, it's cheap. It's two points. You get them off the field faster. Um, you can use them as like a soft counter to Pathfinders because you can get in range two before the game mm-hmm. starts potentially. Um, so it's um, I think it's great on them. Recon Intel. Yeah, you can also move to line of sight block and cover quickly yep. if the deployment zone didn't afford you any. Right. Um, I think that um, other stuff that I've seen on them. Um, I've seen duck and cover on them. They do have two training slots. Uh, I could see it. Um, I know like master of the force Luke pioneered this a while ago. Um, I think it's fine. If you can find the eight points, you know, they, they like cover, um, they're unhindered. So you can run them through woods and stuff, um, uh, without slowing down. And, and that one suppression is going to improve their cover to heavy. They also don't care about the suppression Um, really. They don't right. They don't care at all about suppression. They're rolling red dice to rally. So, um, you know, sure, throw an extra suppression on them. Um, and obviously, their saves are terrible. So you want as many like static hit cancellations as you can get um, from cover or dodge or whatever. So, um, I, I could see it. it. Strikes me as like a little bit of a luxury upgrade. Um, but uh, any anything else? That you're considering for Wookiees? I think if you're taking any, anything other than tenacity and intel, you're inflating an already expensive unit for the most part. They have two trainings, is that right? They, right, yeah, they have two trainings. Um, so I've run, this is overkill, but I've run Hunter Wookiees before <laughs> to specifically start <laughs> It is hilarious. That does when sound it works, hilarious, yeah. But it's sad when it doesn't. <laughs> but it's, it's basically like, oh, you took a wound, here I go. Here's my aimed charge. And if you started close to me, I have two aims now because now, now I take a, you know, just get a very consistent big attack against like a Bova or something and you don't have Pierce. So Bova just rolls his normal saves and you just sort of laugh your fit, laugh in his face. But, you know, if Bova was canny, he'd probably be whipcording you and jumping away before you could even get close. Um, but anyway, that's a thing that can happen. You can take Hunter on him. It's excessive, though. The black dice are already tremendously yeah. consistent. I mean, so. Hunter is a great they are. in general. Um, it is. I, I think it's yeah. it's gonna be. Heck yeah, uh, it's gotten a little worse lately, but I think it's gonna come back in a style here. Um, 
tauntauns and dewbacks are like you know Hunter yeah City, i right? mean any yep. any any time that you know there are multi-wound non-hero models in the meta i think hunter gets a lot better right now we're not seeing a lot of royal guard oh, yeah. we're not seeing a lot of wookies so it's kind of on the downswing i think but bounty hunters are all about it so yep yep and bounty hunters are good hot take what whoa <laughs> what um, are you living in bounty hunters what? are good whoa. <laughs> all right so um any other upgrades for these guys i don't think so um no oh well so we should talk briefly about bowcaster versus non-bowcaster uh take oh the yeah bowcaster. that's true <laughs> take the bowcaster yeah i i don't i mean i've seen like people try and do melee wookie skews with just the three-man units the bowcaster is 10 points you know because the wookie model costs 25 points essentially right and right. then you're, you're getting you're getting a red dice uh and pierce it, it's an expensive points. upgrade an uh, impact you know um well yeah i mean it's 35 but when you when you think about the fact that you're getting an extra oh totally i mean it's it's definitely so, worth it you know, yeah um i do think of all of the special forces squads that the rebels have available and maybe the imperials too um wookie warriors are the most likely one to be good without a heavy weapon in it. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I've thought about it a lot, and I've never tried it. But you know, three wookies with tenacity is seventy nine. Yeah, and, and it's like, pretty that's cheap. Respectable. I mean, it's less than the cost of two snipers. You know, I mean, it's that's about the cost of, um, like an officer fleet squad, right? probably a little less yeah i mean you gotta you gotta hide them though yeah because they're only got nine health now um and they don't have pierce and there's a whole king caboodle i take that back there is one special forces squad that is better without a heavy weapon and that's probably royal guard um because guardian yeah yes because guardian yep yeah electric staff is kind of optional there um yeah i don't know that's my take on the bowcaster. I do think it's expensive and it's hard to justify in a lot of lists. I think that that's the main reason you don't see a ton of Wookiees. It's because of how expensive the bowcaster is. Yeah. But, yeah. and that just yeah. makes the whole unit expensive basically. Right. Yeah. But you're also looking at, you know, we talk about them being like mini fleets with the Pearson there. You're looking at, um, roughly an average of three wounds to a snow trooper, or snow trooper, stormtrooper unit. Well, I guess it'd be the same to a red dice unit that's not pierce immune, um, you know, without an aim token. So that's it's not bad at all. And uh, um, you know, with an aim token, obviously, like it's quite a bit better. Um, they're actually ever so slightly more efficient than a Z6 with their ranged attack once you throw the bowcaster in there on a per point basis. So, um, yeah. So take the bowcaster. I think it's the short advice, but if you want to run them with just tenacity um, for seventy nine yeah, points, it's defensible uh, at least. Not terrible. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's talk about how to use these bad boys. Cagely. Yeah. Yeah. Cagely. Yeah. That's a good because yeah. they will get pasted in the open, uh, like any rebel unit, but especially a one with. Um, you know, nurse surgeon on their save. They have the literal T-shirt save. Uh, <laughs> that term term comes from 40k. Um, orcs would wear T-shirts and the, have a six-up save on a on a six-sided dice. So that's exactly what Wookiees have. 
the t-shirt save. Um, Fur, as it turns out, is not very good at deflecting blaster bolts. <laughs> um, so yeah, you definitely want to be cagey with them. Um, I like to hold them until you know the mid the mid game basically, and then kind of go in there once you've got some weakened units. Um, if you can um, use them with Luke and use force push, uh, just like we talked about with fleets, to pull enemy units towards the Wookies around corners and stuff, so they can shoot them without exposing themselves. That's great. Um, you know, and then just use them to plug holes. Basically, they're they're a great counter charge unit against um, aggressive melee units like Luke. Uh, you know, they all of their durability is tied up in their wounds since their save is so bad. Um, so they're actually, uh, you know, we like to use the term effectively pierce immune. Um, obviously, they're not actually pierce immune, but you know, when you think about how many wounds they have, Luke does an average of. A uh, little under four hits with his lightsaber, right? Without a name token, um, three point seven five. So, you know, he's killing like four stormtroopers um, if he jumps in there with a lightsaber, but he's only killing one wookie. <laughs> um, you know, so um, it's they're they're a good tar pit unit for uh, you know aggressive other aggressive melee units. Yeah, um, when I. Uh... When I encountered them I mean, with the RPC, that's good. they rolled like two saves total. <laughs> so I think your point about being effectively pierced mean is well taken. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, I'd, I'd take two Wookiees. saves. Well, and that's yeah, that's on average if you burn a Wookiee all the way down. So they, um, I think we've used the term also before on the show, effective wounds, which is essentially like a unit's wounds divided by their save. Um, so Wookiees have 14.4 effective wounds, which means on average you'll have to shoot them you'll have to push 14.4 hits through to actually kill him, which is almost double that of a rebel trooper squad. So, because <laughs> um, a rebel trooper unit with Z six is seven and a half. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, that's a little bit, I like really what you need to compare it against is like two rebel trooper units, right? Cause that's about what their cost is. Well, right. So, you know, two rebel trooper units would be 15. Yeah. Right. So that's why I say mm-hmm. almost double. Um, but two rebel trooper units with Z sixes happen to be one twenty four. Yep, and Wookiee's like fully fully loaded is like one sixteen. So yeah, a little bit, a li- only a little bit less. Um, yeah, but you also can't take nine Z sixes. No, so, but you know. I have a I have a feeling <laughs> that if Drat. you could, you would. <laughs> you would. Um, I would. <laughs> I would. <laughs> Oh man, uh, they are so good. Oh man, a game of uh, um, grand grand army is that what it's called? Grand grand something. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, grand army. Yeah, the sixteen hundred point side yeah, per side format. Like 10 core yeah. Units. yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so you it's definitely like you know it goes without saying you want to use cover with them. You want to use line of sight blocking terrain. Um, they do have both unhindered and expert climber, so um, they benefit from quote-unquote more interesting boards um you know I, I feel like i feel like a lot of tables lack uh pieces of terrain that are just designed to be like impediments you know things that slow you down but don't actually offer anything useful as far as cover is concerned um a lot of terrain a lot of tables are just lacking generally in like difficult terrain besides uh linear t- stuff like barricades um it's just more difficult to make you know a lot of the th- a lot of the three d printed stuff doesn't have like you know if you're gonna 
I, I say it's difficult to make. You can get a piece of felt, right, and call it a forest or like a group of bushes, and that's your area of difficult terrain. But like as far as good looking stuff is concerned, it's a, it's a little harder. So that tends to be less common. But um, you know, yeah, use use those use those terrain ignoring keywords that they have to their advantage to move them around the table. And I don't know, use like actual line of sight blockers with them. That dude with the sword that's like. 200 feet high is really annoying. Yeah, and he's the unit leader, so you can't just like yeah. defeat him first. Yeah. He's like, hey guys, here I am. He's got... Please shoot me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's got the yeah. Luke Skywalker problem yep. with the lightsaber. Is it? I actually yep. have a little furry arm in there. I, I think it's actually say, a little it feels bit taller. taller. It is. It is. <laughs> These things are like these things are like like if you look at them next to the normal height yeah. minis, they're they're just huge. And if you put the guy with his arm up there, the guy's like I can say he's like nine feet tall. Yeah, it's it's what ridiculous. So yeah, don't don't like <laughs> don't like put him behind a piece of terrain that you think is line of sight blocker. Uh, not the amount of time. Sword. I learned my le- I learned my lesson. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like crates. anything that's like a yeah. box or a crate that's like the normal height of a mini, they can't hide behind. Not the way you want them to, at least. So just keep that in mind. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that guy never goes away because it's the unit leader. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd kill him first like grenade guy on the Death Trooper units. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, command card. How do we use these? Um, oh, yeah. They're great with um, both Luke and Leia's cards. No time for sorrows and my ally. I, I think they're um they yeah, can be okay. good with sorry go ahead i was gonna say they can be good with han um with reckless i don't know that you want them to be the actual reckless target because you know uh you want something cheaper doing that but um you know they're good to fill those holes that han makes what if you run a naked squad just for diversion and then you have your Wookiees? 75 point front. RD squad. I actually don't think that's like a terrible use of them. No, it's. Well, not- no, no. What, I'm, well, yeah, I mean, you could do that with a naked Wookiee. You could also just do it with a naked Rebel Trooper. Yeah. like a 40 point RD squad. I actually think. <laughs> These, an entire squad of Jeffs. Well, so I actually think if the Special Forces slot was not such a big deal. Uh, the naked Wookiee squad fair. would be a much more efficient RD target. Um, because yeah. they don't care at all about this Russian that's coming in. Um, and their wounds are cheaper on a per-wound basis. But, so. Yeah. Um, uh, that's a very good point. But, you know, yeah, you care about that suck-out slot, point. unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Rip-a-roni. Yep. Rip. Um, so, yeah, they're great with my ally and No Time for Sorrows. Um I like, you know, uh, to the extent that I run them, I usually do it with Wonder Twins. Um, and then I run them near Luke so that Luke can give him orders. Um, you know, it's usually like, usually in a, in a Wonder Twins list, your orders are going on Luke Leia. If you have two or more pips, um, if you're running them with Wookiees, your orders are going on Luke Wookiees. So. No time is just absolutely amazing on yeah. the turn that you want to charge. Well, or even if you want to just pop out, shoot, no time pop back, you can card. use no time to do it. I don't it care what unit you're talking about. Yep. It's just it's awesome. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it might remember be. When people, <laughs> remember when people were like, this card isn't very good. <laughs> Let's <laughs> drop it. I, I think it might be the best Rebel 2-pip. Actually, yeah. Yes. 
Yes, bar none, I would say. RD is damn I close, but, but NTFS, I think, is more useful. an argument to be made for Sabines. Sabines. For what? For symbol. Oh, yeah, I agree. But she's... Um... Yeah, I agree. She's not quite out it's, yet, but um, I, it's I, the recover I, I, I do agree with Yeah, that. I mean, well, and that graffiti token, that graffiti yeah. token is amazing. If you like, if you do it on turn one and it's relevant the entire game, you that's a lot of value. Yeah, um, a dude Sabine with two officers. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ain't nobody getting suppressed. Nope. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll see if that one is. Everything is chalked up to be, but yep. yeah. right now, no time is definitely the best two fifty yep. rebels have access to. I think so. I know that some people would consider that blasphemy to say that's better than reckless, but rebels have well, pretty good. Two reckless fits. means you have to take Han, you know. <laughs> hey, we just talked about how good Han was. <laughs> oh, gee, what a penalty! <laughs> oh. Well, so I mean, yeah, sure, but I mean, Leia's still thirty points cheaper. Yeah. She is. Yeah, that's her biggest her biggest thing. She's thirty points cheaper. She's got sharpshooter two. She's got bombardments. She's got you know save our skins, which is you know questionable. But hey, man, that double acty. If you can find a window, let's talk with Neil about this. That that's one of those cards that's like you should avoid this special rule because if you're not, um, if you're not understanding enough, it'll hurt you. But if you understand it better than the average, you will help you a lot. You talking about save our skins? Yeah, the double activation rule. Yeah, I have warmed to that card immensely um, in the last few months. It's 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 when it's good, it's really good. Yeah, I also think it's amazing with strict orders. Yeah, the chaining yeah. together thing is is super good. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, should we close this thing out with contrast paints? Contrast sure. paints. I know, I know that Jay is excited to talk about contrast paints. Literally everyone is talking about contrast I'm paints. I'm literally sitting here watching him paint with contrast paints. So. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I know we're running up against time, so I'll be brief and I'll cross-promote my podcast because I'm sure I'll be talking about it a bunch <laughs> on mine. Uh, this guy. You know, tomorrow. He's like, we got to go. Wrap it up, boys. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I bought them. I've been using them since they came out. Um, I'll, I'll say a couple brief things. I, I think that they are good. I know a lot of people are either they love them or they hate them right now as far as how the spectrum has gone. Um, I think they're good. I think they're highly dependent on the minis that you're painting. So, you know, Mike and Dave, we were talking about this before the cast is that they're real strong with rebel troopers um, and a little le they're a little weaker with stormtroopers just because they do well with all those crevices and like nooks and crannies and folds of, of the rebels. Um, they don't do as well on just flat surfaces like stormtrooper armor, for instance. Um, I, I would warn this. I think a lot of people have made, uh, I saw a lot of posts, especially on the Legion Facebook about, Hey, I, I did this rebel troop in 40 minutes. Uh, if you're doing four, five or six units in 40 minutes, you're doing something wrong. It should, it should take you <laughs> at least an hour and a half. Um, even with contrast paints, um, hot take. Jay Which is still great. Well, I mean, cause they, they speed you up, but you're still going to need to be good at, you know, they don't make you better. And I think a lot of people are going to get disappointed with that. 
like you're gonna buy contrast paints because of the way they've been hyped up and you're gonna be like if you're terrible at painting right now you're gonna get these and be like these are gonna make me amazing at painting and that's not what they do they just let you skip a couple steps is basically all that they do sure Right, but you still have to actually like apply the paint to the <laughs> right, model in right. the important area. You know, because basically what they're doing is they're letting you do your base wash and highlight in one step. That's that's sure. what it's letting you do, and and I think a lot of people are thinking, oh my god, these are going to make me an amazing painter. No, they're just going to make you a, a faster painter. That's that's it. Um, uh, that being said, though, um, I literally. I, you know, as I'm sure some people know, I'm trying to play uh, a similar list to David played at the RPQ, a Flyboys list, and I'm really high on right now. And so I had just two Z6 units left to paint, and I did one of them uh, with the contrast paints. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm, I'm starting all over because I, I think they look that good. Um, and, and it made my other paint jobs look that that much more terrible so um i really uh i really enjoy them so and what I, you're trying to say is it did make you better i think in the in the fact that yes probably it <laughs> well, only because of this because and, and this is why because i think in my rush to get my other ones done my wash and highlight were sloppy where this one is a lot, it's it's all three base wash and highlight all at once, and I can be more careful and get a better look overall. Sure, you can stay focused for an hour and a half as opposed to four hours. Co correct, well, right? Where now, like um, as as we're talking today, I've literally I haven't been painting that long, but I've had the contrast paints for two days, and I'm almost through an, a complete eight hundred point Rebel Army. Like I literally have like six models left. And and it's all with contrast paint. So it just it just sped me up, you know, completely where that to make something table ready. And this is why they designed them, right? They're not stupid. They they knew what they were doing. But in order to make something table ready before it would it would take you what, two weeks, three weeks if you were if you're really good at painting, you know? Maybe longer, maybe shorter, depending on your style. But now you can do it in a few days if you if you got, you know, the skills. Yeah. And I found like, um, you know, I, I had watched this video by a 40K painter out of, I believe, Sweden. And he he did what I'm doing, which is just contrast paints. But then he like heightened all the areas with like the finish work. And it, ju it just made them look spectacular. And I, I think you have that option to like go over them and do like all the finish work and like bring up some of those areas with like some brighter colors or darken some of the shadows with some darker contrast if you want. Uh, but at the same time, you can literally just do like all the minis I'm doing right now, besides the bases are all just contrast paint and they they're, they're good to go. Like I'm completely satisfied with how they look. So, but yeah, so we'll do, I'll go way more in depth on my podcast about it. If anybody really wants to, you know, listen to me ramble on for 40 minutes about it, but that'll be tomorrow on the fifth trooper podcast. My cat wants to listen to you <laughs> ramble about contract pants. Perfect. <laughs> I'll send a box that Perfect. when it opens, it just starts playing my voice. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Shall we load up in it herself? Um, but overall I, I would give them, 
out of like five stars, I'd give them like a four star mm-hmm. rating. I think uh, just really quick. I think depending on the color too, they they get a little wonky. Yeah, the lighter um, lighter colors seem like they have some trouble. Say- yeah, uh, yeah. I noticed I, a couple of the it- blues seem yeah. weird too. Like, um, I think I was watching Crabax video. The yellow looks really good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the red looked decent. The white looked mm-hmm. questionable. It's good for, I found it for like the officer because he has that white beard. If you toss the white on there, it kind of does a like a yeah. gray. And so it gives his beard some depth. Um I'll say this for any of you thinking about doing these with rebels, uh, the, the camo, there's a camo one and a militarium green. Those are really, really good for rebels. And then if you, if you do like a skeleton horde or a, uh, where's the other one? Oh yeah. This, uh, agaro stunes. Those are really good for like a khaki, uh, like a, a light Brown. Um, and so I've been using those with the the snake bite leather for like the pouches and the belts and the you know the the cross and backpacks and stuff. But that's good. The, the, there's a there's one for like weapons. Uh, that's a gray like a griff griff. No, not that one. Uh, sorry, that one's good too. Okay. <laughs> Jay's just like uh, looking sorry. down at all his contrast uh, paints and like juggling them. Yeah, I'm like. Jay pronounces Games Workshop paint names. <laughs> oh God, I, I have no idea. Um, Basilicatum Gray or whatever the hell they're called. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Okay. That one's good for wep- for guns. Um, I really like that for guns. Like it, it works really well, and it gives you your your darks and your highlights, and they look like metal. Like with one, with one go. I don't know. So there's, I think there's a handful that are really good, uh, and then the other ones are okay and then there's some that are bad but overall i think i think they're a good a good purchase uh especially for rebels i i don't think they're good for empire like stormtroopers means they're not gonna be good for clones probably oh yeah i was hoping i could just get away with you know doing clones and those but eh, oh well i honest i honestly don't know if they're gonna be good for droids like maybe the the small the regular droids but anything with larger flat surfaces like i tried to do one of the the medic droids with it and it i mean it's fine but it's not I mean, great the, i bet you the darker colors are probably fine if you want your clothes in like a dark color or something because they they like they're like flagship product with this was like dark color contrast planes on space yeah planes. I mean, the flesh tones yeah. are good. Uh, it, yeah, uh, the the flat, long, flat surfaces are where it kind of falls short. Um, but other than that, I if you got a rebel army, dude, go for it. It's it's well worth it. You know, it is good uh, for large flat surfaces. Is airbrushing? Yes. This guy. Maybe we can hit that. I know, right? I'm. Uh... Yeah, I. Whoa, whoa. I looked at like airbrushing videos and stuff over the weekend. Man, I don't. That looks like a world of complicated. I don't even want to get into. Uh, yeah, it's you know, it's not something you want to just like if you're just learning to paint. Like dive into. It's it. It took me probably 15 years of like normal painting before I was ready to dive into airbrushing. It is like cheating though, like even more so than uh, than contrast paints. I think. 
Um, it's like extra cheating. I think they would be <laughs> but, good combined. Yeah, we're not talking about airbrushing. No, I think today, they're a good so. combo, though. Yeah, you know, I can see so that. if you want to go over with an airbrush and get all your base down and then hit it with some contrast to finish it off, I, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. I remember hearing it was similar to airbrushing like a wash. Yeah, and it's finicky like a wash. You know, for anybody who's used a wash or a shade, mm-hmm. it's um, it can be finicky like that. And so I think you got to watch yourself because it's this weird – and this is what they does, designed it for, right? It's like this weird middle ground between base paints and washes. And it's like – it's weird because it's like they're both true at the same time. So, <laughs> so like – you know, like anything <laughs> that you would have applied when you're applying a base and anything that you apply when you're applying a wash, uh, both are uh, true while you're doing a contrast. So you need to just like watch yourself. And, you know, if it lighter, you know, if you if you're using less less of the wash, you're going to get a lighter, a lighter shade. And if you use more of the wash, it's going to go a little bit darker and get thicker. And, and so you just got to be careful. And like I said, I'll, I'll go into more detail on our podcast. If you guys want to listen to more and, you know, uh, overall though, thumbs up. I've given you like Sweet. four different rating systems awesome. on these. I gave you four stars, thumbs up. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I'll give it a six out of 10 stars, thumbs, uh, I don't know. Um, I give it two <laughs> green lightsabers. Uh, give it four burgers out of five. <laughs> How many halves? Uh, <laughs> just just one, <laughs> one and only. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We should probably close this out because yep. uh, you know <laughs> now we're just memeing. <laughs> yeah, a little I could, bit. I could yeah, talk about bit. painting for another hour, so yeah, we should probably just stop. Um, all right. Well, uh, next week is going to be after worlds. And actually, we're going to have to talk about recording because, well, yeah, next week we'll record after Worlds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, Probably on, not Monday, on Monday. Based on what yeah. We um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So we'll have that to talk about. Um, FFG uh, put out a pretty uh, <laughs> uninspiring preview article today. Um, yeah. Let's, Jeez, I, Kyle. There was nothing in there that we didn't know already. So, um you know, it was just like here's here's the stream times. Uh, that's it. <laughs> they didn't have anything on like prizes or like who who was even going. <laughs> that was the thing missing that I thought was the most interesting. Yeah, it's, it's like, like eight of the players. Why, uh, you know, top legion players, and they didn't name anyone. So, well, I don't controversial know. Um, statement. It's not about you. It's about their stream, Kyle. So get on it. I know it's not about yeah. me. Uh, um, but it's at least about the seven other guys. Nope, it's not yeah. about any of you guys. It's about watching their stream. <laughs> I guess. Alrighty. Yeah. Maybe let's wrap this up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Before we before we get too. Uh, yeah. We dig too heavily into this. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Worlds this weekend. Watch it on FFG's live stream. And because uh, that's know. what they care about. Their live stream. <laughs> oh boy. All right. You're done. <laughs> we gotta cut cut Jay off. All right. Get behind the glass. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'm Kyle. I'm Mike. I'm David. And we are the Notorious Scoundrels. And we'll see you next week. Join us next week for another episode of the Notorious Scoundrels. 
This has been a Fifth Trooper production.